Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash productive convo. 
That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. I'm Mike Vardy, and this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivities Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and with me this week on the show, we have Amir Salyafendich. He is the founder and CEO of Todoist. Well, Doist is the name of the company, but Todoist is the app that I use. And we talk a lot about that during the show. We also talk about how he uses his calendar, how he uses Todoist, why he created Todoist, what needs it filled. Uh, for him, the system that he uses with it, and so much more. So let's just dive right into this episode. I'm really looking forward to it. For all of you people that are using Todoist, you're going to get a lot out of this. For those of you who are thinking about it, you're going to get some stuff out of it as well. Probably a great deal. And for those of you who aren't even, you know, you, you already have a task management application that you're using, you're still going to learn a lot about, you know, the system he uses within it and how he uses the app, which may make you rethink how you use your tools. So here we go without any further ado. Amir Salyafedich with me, in conversation on the Productivityist podcast. I'd like to welcome Amir Salyafendich, the founder and CEO of Doist, which of course is the company behind Doist, to the Productivityist podcast. Amir, thanks for joining me. And thanks for having me here, Mike. It's a pleasure. I had to practice the last name for a little while. Well, you were, you were getting some water before we started, and uh, and as you were there, I'm like trying to. I'm like, okay, let me pronounce the name. Let me get the name down. Uh, so I'm glad. I hope I got it right. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's. Let, I want to talk to you today. There's there's a lot of things we can talk about, but I want to dive in first and foremost into your interest in productivity. Like, what got you into the idea of? Before we talk about like why you founded Doist and then started to Doist, and of course We Doist was 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 also part of that. What what was the kind of the trigger for you to start to really dive into the world of productivity? That's a really good question, Mike. Uh, I mean, I think one of the major issues was that I was really really busy. So I I was like a student. I had some part time jobs. I had some personal projects. And I just like had a lot of like balls in the air and I needed like, uh, you know, to manage this and manage this, you know, without burning out and without like becoming crazy. So that's like really what got me into it. Uh, yeah. And then from there, so you founded, when did you founded Doist in 2007, correct? Yeah. I mean, I started like to do this as a side project from my dorm room, uh, in Aarhus in Denmark, uh, you know, where, where I just like uh, try to come up with a with a system that works for me, yeah. Uh, so, you know, 2007. That's what where it all started. And from there, so that was now. Why did you start that? Like, I mean, obviously, there's lots of tools out there. I mean, when you started, there were. I mean, you're you know, there there's so many uh, available to you. And you recognize that you're busy and you wanted to get things done and get the right things done. Why, like, why did you say, you know what? We need another tool. <laughs> yeah, but actually, like, I mean, in 2007, there were actually not really that many tools. Uh, like, it's only like from 2007 and upwards that 
people actually started to do productivity tools. Uh, yeah, uh, so so basically, actually, Todoist was one of the first online-based task management systems. Um, I think like the only other one that I knew of was Remember the Milk. Um, yeah, so so like all the other ones I think were added later on. Uh, yeah, we're looking nine years ago now. That's right. It's been a while. I mean, there were a lot of native ones that you could. I mean, there was there was IGT. I mean, you're looking at at uh, native apps. There were there were several, but you're right. It was kind of that was kind of the push when you start to see things like I think Trello started shortly. Like Trello's been around for a little while. Some of the other ones, Asana showed up. But the real, I think, push was you're right. Web based applications really started to get the push in 2000, like in in that late to the, the late aught years, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And I think also like one of the, I mean, yeah, native tools were not really speaking to me because like I was using a lot of different systems, mm-hmm. and I really needed a system that that you know went every everywhere with me. And also like mobile was started, uh, you know, like smartphones was that year where it all started. So like, you know, native apps did not really have a huge appeal because I didn't, you know, want to be at one specific desktop. Uh, like I wanted to be like everywhere at university, at work and have my system with me. Well, and that leads me to a blog post that you wrote about just recently earlier this year on the Todoist blog about Systemist, right? Which is a... Uh, a, mod- a, a workflow that you used, which is kind of, you like to think of it as like a simplified getting things done. You mentioned that in the piece. But it this kind of also came about at the same time that you started Todoist, right? Like the, the, you basically said, this is the this is the system I want to work with. And how much of that system, system, the systemist, influenced not just Todoist now, but the Todoist that we see today? Um, I think like a lot of it, uh, I mean, you know, um, I think also like one of the biggest advancements we have had in task management is basically, you know, having a system that can be everywhere. Like, you know, you're in a shopping uh, center, uh, you have your task management system with you. It's fully connected. It's fully synced. You get home to your computer. It's there with you. You go inside your email. It's there with you. So like f- from actually the beginning that was a huge goal for like both the systemist and Todoist, like just being everywhere and like just synchronizing uh, stuff on all platforms. Um, and I think that, 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 you know, that is a very, very uh, huge thing that was not possible like 10 years ago. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Todoist infrastructure itself, because like, like I said before the call, I've been using Todoist for a long time. It was the tool that, I mean, I, people who've been listening to my work for a while know that I used OmniFocus. I've used things. I've used a lot of native. And then I went to Asana. And then Todoist was the one that I kind of settled on. It's the one I use as my primary task management application because it just – I love the way it looks and feels. So, again, congratulations to you and your team for building something that not just me but a lot of other people use. My, my big question is is how – when you, when you were developing it and when you're looking at the structure of it, there's the projects, there's the – labels and then there's the filters and then there's of course the today view and the next seven days view i don't uh, how do you recommend when people are starting to use a tool like todoist or to use todoist in particular where do you think that they need to start where do you think that the 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 the, 
the best way for them to adopt a tool like this is going to come from? Is it going to come from, you know, uh, working by project, uh, you know, leveraging those powers of labels, you know, understanding that you can um, use the priority flags? Like, where do you think someone, when they're first starting out, where do you think they should they should begin so that they can see the value of the task management app? Um, I think like that's a very good question. Uh, and I think like one of the biggest uh, things about the productivity system is just like having it and, you know, putting stuff into it. Uh, so I would probably like start, you know, just like defining some projects in your life that are important to you and then adding some tasks to them. I think like both labels and filters are for like advanced users. Like once you have a lot of stuff in, inside your system, you probably, you know, want to start to use labels, want to start to use filters. But in the beginning, I think like just using projects, uh, due dates, and maybe like priorities or reminders, like that would be a great start. Now, when it comes to projects, how do you define a project? I mean, you, we, you talk about in this blog post that, you know, the, the system you use is basically a simplified getting things done. Do your projects have do you, do you kind of use that areas of responsibility area that David Allen talks about where you've got like the higher level? Because with projects, you can go four, you can go four deep, right? You can go four tiers in. So how does your project structure look like? Uh, because others, a lot of people, they treat projects, some people when I've seen them used to do is they treat projects like labels and labels like projects. So how do you structure it? And, and how deep do you go into that project space? Um, I actually, I don't really go that deep. Um, like, I mean, the the thing to note is like I mostly use only like two levels. So like I have a parent and then a a, a child project, uh, and then like inside of these I use subtasks to you know detail stuff more. Um, yeah. So so uh, and then like how do I see a, a project? I think like uh, I I have like both some projects. For instance, like I had a trip with my wife. Uh, like, uh, you know, a vacation trip that we planned using Todoist, that was like a, a one-time project. And then, you know, uh, when it was done, I just like archived it. Mm -hmm. uh, then I have like some ongoing projects, uh, for instance, uh, review where I have like all, all kinds of reviews that I need to do, like both personal or work related that go into there. And that project like is never finished and will never be finished. Um, so, so I think like some projects, you know, they are short-lived. Others, they are there forever. How do you use subtasks? That's one area that I really, and I guess I think this comes into the whole, again, um, the idea of, again, the getting things done method methodology, which I, I don't use uh, any longer really anyways. I mean, obviously, there's some elements that have, you know, kind of leaked into the, the system that I use. But subtasks I've always kind of found tricky in Todoist. And I don't know, maybe it's the way I'm wrapping my head around them. Uh, maybe it's just the, like, how do they, how do they work? How do you keep them from, uh, like, I mean, obviously if it's, a, it's a, if it's a larger task, then that essentially becomes a project. Like, how do you, how do you structure those? Because I'm, I mean, on the Todoist page, which I'm going to put into the show notes, it shows like a shopping list, right? Like that's an example of, of how, uh, you know, buying groceries is the larger task. And then each of those individual items is a, is a subtask of sorts, but how do you use them? Um, I mean, that is actually a very good question. And uh, the way that, that I do it is like uh, I try to think about like a, a big task that, can, that I can split up in smaller tasks, but I don't really like go into huge amounts of details. So basically I try to like limit my tasks to 
maybe be like between 30 minutes and one hour. Uh, so that's like what, like uh, my uh, estimation is like I try to split them up. So like each subtasks, you know, has like 30 to one hour uh, estimation. Um, yeah, and that's basically how, how I do it. So like if I have something that, that can be done in 30 minutes uh, or, or one hour, I just add it as one task. If a task requires 10 hours, uh, you know, then I try to split it up like maybe 10, uh, like a parent task with 10 subtasks or even more subtasks. Uh, so it depends a lot like on the complexity of the, of the thing that I want to, to do. What does Todoist not do that you wish it could do right now? What's one of the things? Just one. I mean, I'm sure there's lots, but what are one of the things that you'd like to see Todoist do like when you're using it as the founder and CEO and you're like, oh, I really wish that we had this capability right now? I mean, I think like one of the uh, big things that we actually are working on right now and that, that I think like I miss sometimes is basically like smartness in terms of like adding some, for instance, artificial intelligence to the task uh, list itself. Uh, for example, if you email somebody or phone somebody, the, the Todoist would recognize that when you phone them, it may say, hey, do you want to do a follow, do you want to create a follow-up task? Cause I know I have to do that. If I email somebody and they don't email, I create a secondary task after I done, after I've done emailing them saying follow up with so-and-so. So something along those lines. Um, yeah. Something along, along those lines. That's actually currently what we are focusing a lot on is, uh, uh scheduling. So basically like having, uh, uh, an AI system that can actually learn from your past, uh, like scheduling and then like also looking at all the other users scheduling and then can basically like help you with scheduled tasks. Uh, actually like something that, that users do a lot in Todoist is basically schedule and reschedule stuff. So you know, if you can save your time uh, so you don't like even need to think about scheduling, I think that can, that can like be a huge advantage. So let's talk a little bit about some of the changes that's happened to Todoist over the over the years. I mean, obviously, what's funny is, and this is just something, again, coming from Canada, we have a bank called TD Canada Trust. And when I saw the Todoist logo the first time, I'm like, hey, that looks like the TD logo. You guys changed your logo recently. W- would that have been part of the reason or did you just decide that it needed a refresh in general? Um, I mean, we just wanted like a refresh in, in general, but actually that's a very funny story because like <laughs> TD Bank is not known at all in Europe. No. So actually I did like a, yeah, I, I did a trip to San Francisco and then like, uh, or to New York. I don't really remember, but like there was TD Banks all over the place. And you saw the and logo like, in your <laughs> oh, Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah. The last thing you like, want to do is cross a bank when it comes to that kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah so that that is very unfortunate and uh yeah um but the 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 thing is that we just wanted to you know update our branding like we have improved a lot over the years and we just wanted you know to to state that um 
when you change the colors of the priority flags, I, and I'm going to go over some of the changes you guys have made because uh, I've had some of the people that I work with and some of the, some of my clients and that I've pushed into, you know, kind of said, hey, we should be using Todoist. And I have a lot of shared projects with Todoist. There's there's a couple of things that I, that that I want to kind of get your feel on. So the changing from the different colors of the priority flags because they used to be, you know, there's blue, right now it's red, orange, yellow. I mean, I get it. I, I am the, my my. Th- thoughts on it are it's it's the elevating level of fire yellow is like smoldering orange is a bit hotter red is the hottest what was the reason behind making that color change because uh it was initially difficult for a lot of people to kind of at least some of my clients were not used to seeing the the circle colors that were different and it kind of threw them for a loop yeah so so basically like i mean we did uh like in the beginning you know like when we actually picked these uh priority colors they were picked randomly so like mm-hmm. having two blue colors uh, right. is not really that optimal. And then like uh, having red, you know, it's like there's no logical uh, explanations for why it was picked like that. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember it why just... <laughs> it was picked like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then like our designers also looked at it and like looked, there's like different filters you, you can apply for people with like color blindness. And basically, like our red and blue, like the the dark blue and red, like for some uh, color blind people, they were the same color. Right, right. Uh, So like that was yeah, that was also like you know we are just like picking random. Like these are really important stuff, and we are just like we have just picked random colors. And even worse, like for some color blind people, you know they look the same. Uh, So so that's basically like the trigger, and then like. I mean, some fu- like a funny part is that a lot of people complained that, uh, you know, this wasn't good for col- color blindness. But the, the thing is, like, we actually test for all kinds of color blindness and we found some colors, you know, that, that work in, 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 in all situations. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that was the reason, like, making it more logical and also making it better for, for color blind people. Let's talk about labels again, and I want to talk about something that I would love to see, and I miss it. And it's the one thing I really miss from the uh, the last, uh, well, it's not the last update, but is I know there was a lot of clamoring, because I belong to the Google Plus community for Todoist, and I saw about being able to organize the labels that you had in whatever order you wanted. I like the chronological order, and I'll explain why. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain mine, and then I'd love to get your feedback. I loved the chronological order of labels where you weren't allowed to move them. I'm a big believer in constraints, first off. I think that having some constraints are very important. But secondly, is it allowed me to see what labels I wasn't using very easily. So if I was experimenting with labels or adding, and I, instead of having to scan through all my labels now, which I have to do, I could just go to the very bottom of the list and say, oh, there's, first off, here are the ones I've inherited from shared projects. And I'm not going to get into that because I know that there's, there's, reasons that that has to happen because if you share a project and so on and so forth it'd be just way too difficult to say okay who owns this label and and whatnot but my thought process was i really i really liked that i liked the ability to see which labels i was using and which ones i i I, you know which ones were getting neglected or not using being used at all and so i'm curious not about why you abandoned that but i'm curious about why you didn't 
leave the option there for the ability to people say, hey, I want to look these at these in order. So let's, let's leave that lock on. And then if you want to move your labels around, go ahead. And I noticed it really mattered in the mobile version. So maybe you can shed some light on that. Or maybe you can set, tell me whether that was something that you enjoyed too. Because I mean, if you're using labels, maybe that was something that you, you liked or maybe not. Maybe you wanted to be able to organize your labels. So I'd love to hear uh, some thoughts on that as well. Um. Yeah, I mean, um, the thing is, like, sometimes, you know, we are forced to remove uh, a feature that actually people enjoy. Mm-hmm. And and the reason for this is that, uh, like, the reason why we actually made it reordable is because, like, we got a lot of support requests, like, daily, on a daily basis yeah. of people that, that wanted to move them around. And then, like, their thinking was that, you know, I can move projects around, I can move filters around. Why can't I move labels around? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, like, we were thinking, okay, that makes sense. Like, currently, it does not make sense, you know, that projects can be moved around, filters can be moved around, but labels are, are fixed. Um, so, so, so basically, you know, that's what we did. Like, then we uh, said, okay, this is, you know, this is being requested every day. Uh, we should probably, like, handle this and, you know, make it uh, uniform. Um, uh, across like uh, projects and labels and filters. And I know that you can't make every user happy either. That's the thing is you have to kind of, and w- my solution to the problem, by the way, was easy. I just uh, created a task called conduct label audit. Then it repeats, it's recurring. And I look at it every couple of weeks and I see which labels I'm using, which ones I aren't, I'm not. And I spend some time in there. So it's not as quick as, as it used to be, but it's still effective. And that's, I think that's a lesson. And, and le- I want to talk a little bit about this as well is when you're, when you're learning about productivity and as you're building this product and as you're just becoming more in, you know, as you're building the system, it's a system that you follow and that you, you kind of share with everyone else, um, on your team, uh, you notice these things and, if you, there are always solutions to these problems if you pay attention to them. And I think that that's one thing that a simple and clean task app allows you to do, especially when you use it intentionally. So when you guys were building Todoist, and the one thing that's been consistent is the clean design, that seems to be a hallmark of what you're trying to do. And I'd like to get some thoughts on you from that as to you know, the importance of clean design and being able to access this stuff fairly quickly. What are, what are your thoughts on, on, on when you were building this? Did you, you know, cause there are lots of tools out there now that make things very visual, maybe overly so, or too list oriented, maybe overly so. Whereas I think to do is just struck a nice balance. I and mean, what are your thoughts on, on, on the UI that you guys have built and, and why that's the way that you've, you've kind of maintained that consistency throughout, you know, since the, since the early days. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like clean design and minimalistic design and something that does not really like fight with you or goes into your way, like has has been with us from the start. And mm-hmm. I think like it's very, very important. Um, and, and for me, you know, it's, it's all about uh, utility and like, uh, you know, you managing your data and, you know, the system just, you know, helping you uh, do that. I think like some, some systems, you know, just go um very extreme you know add a lot of graphic add, add a lot of stuff that that you don't really care about like you know uh, you want uh, to manage your day to manage your productivity to manage your stress and yeah so 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 for us like that's actually a very important thing is like just 
not to add a lot of stuff to it, not to add a lot of like visual complexity or uh, complexity in general. And, you know, yeah. Let's discuss a little bit about Todoist Karma because, um, you know, this is one of the features that really kind of drew a lot of people. It's the gamification in a lot of ways for some people. And I know it's not really how it, 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 it appears uh, once you've been in it for a while, but I know, and I know you talk about this in, in, in that blog post I mentioned earlier, um, where it, it, it acts as a review. It acts as a, as a trackability. Now, one of the things I want to touch on is that you used to have a lot more, a lot more in the review function that you could you could see reports and and the pie view and all that stuff, which isn't really. Um, it's a little bit trickier now, and I know I, you guys are working on some of that stuff, right, to make it even more so you can create this quantifiable uh, database of here's what you've done and here's how far. Like, where where does that that fit into the plan? Like, how does Todoist Karma kind of fit into the whole overarching scheme of what Todoist is doing for people in terms of their productivity? Um, I think, like, some of the or one of the best features in Todoist is basically the Karma and the review because if you look like at all our competitors, what they are basically like focusing on mostly is stuff that you need to do. And they give you like very little tools to review your own productivity or get like some kind of insights into it. Um, so that's basically what, what our motivation was with Karma is basically like, uh, give you some insights and also like make the experience a bit more fun because you know, you can track stuff, you can compete against yourself, uh, uh, and I think that that creates like a more more fun product uh, than just you know uh, looking at what you need to do all the time. Uh, yeah. Uh, and how do we see like karma evolve? Um, I think like uh, karma and and reviews and like uh, productivity visualization. Uh, you know, we have so much to do in this uh, space. And like you said, like we re- removed some of our visualizations. Because I think they were quite bad, uh, and they were actually not really that much used. So basically, like our yeah, there were instances yeah. where you tried to view like all your projects, and you had like so many colors and slices. I I totally see that. Uh, yeah. So basically, like we are trying to do a, a better system right now, where we try to redesign this and also like make it possible to create productivity reports, and you can use it like even you know, in team settings, or you can use it for individual stuff. So for instance, like you want to, you know, analyze, um, you know, some sub projects or some group of projects and see like, you know, what have I actually done in this? And uh, this system report system will actually give you some insights into your productivity. Um, yeah. And it, it can like work on a filter basis, on a label basis or, or on a project basis. Right. Right. Uh, so, 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 so we think like, you know, this can be really, really powerful. Um, Where do you spend most of your time in Todoist? Do you spend your time in the project view, or have you created? I mean, have you created a series of filters, which is what I've done, that allows you to just basically work filter by filter by filter and never even look at the today view? Or, I mean, it becomes the secondary consideration to look at any any other way. Do you have filter? Do you work primarily by filter at this point? 
Um, I, I don't actually. Like I mostly work like in today view or yeah, mostly in today view. Wow. Or like I go into a specific project and then focus on that. So you work um, like most people did, actually work. You work like most people work before they. Because it's interesting, most of the people when I start working with Todoist, they they want to look at that today view. That that number drives drives them, and then the project view. Whereas I'm now at the point where the if you have the right filters set up. It's interesting because this tool is so, and again, I mean, I want to be clear, this is not a commercial for Todoist, but, but I mean, the tool is so versatile that you can really imbue your own productivity style and say, you know, like you're working in the Today View and Projects, I'm working by filter, and we're both getting things done. Uh, yeah, and I think that's also like one of the beauties is like, we don't really force you to, you know, follow some kind of master plan that we have set up like uh, and i think also like in, in the future and actually right now we are also working on improving the filters and making them much like easier to use much more powerful but also uh, you will be able to actually attach filters directly on the top so like you know if you want to uh, have your own left uh, side set up with your own filters you can actually do that uh so, so that's like a feature that we are very excited about uh, bringing on. And I think like for you and others that, that use filters a lot, you know, it will be nice for you because like then you can hide today in seven days yeah. and put your own stuff there. Um, yeah, yeah. What's your karma score? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Is anyone enlightened? <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I'm not enlightened, uh, uh, and I'm not even close. So mine is thirty-one thousand eight hundred. Uh, See, yeah. I'm twenty-seven thousand one eighty-five, so I'm not too far behind. Um, uh, yeah, how, it's funny. I'm looking at the enlightenment. <laughs> it's like whoever gets there. How many people are enlightened? Out of curiosity, do you know? You must know. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's actually zero. Is there? Uh, there's not like, a single enlightened person yet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, Actually, so whoever's uh, listening but, to the show, whoever's listening to the show, if you you are enlightened or you're getting close, you got to let me know, uh, and you got to let Amir know because I think that'd be great. It, it's one of those things because you guys adjusted the karma score. Uh, that was uh, a, I want to say at least a year ago where the the levels and it was I I would imagine you did that because people are using the tool more, so you wanted to make it more challenging, right? Uh, exactly. So, like a lot of people, you know, were on a very high level and basically they had nothing to look forward to. <laughs> so right now, like, you know, <laughs> uh, it will probably, I think, take maybe five years of, or something to actually reach the enlightenment level. Yeah, because, um, yeah, I mean, basically every, I mean, I'm looking at the last, uh, um, so I, I've earned 27 karma in the last six hours. So, I mean, you, and that's about, average if you hit the weekly goals and so on and so forth i mean there are ways and that's the interesting thing too is that um i know you mentioned the blog post about going on vacation and turning your karma settings off and i think that that's one of the first things i recognize to do but i mean i have very low and i think it's because of the fact that i have to use another tool with some of the team collaboration stuff that we use because not everybody's using this and the one thing, and maybe this is kind of where we can start to get closer to wrap things up. How big of a team 
you know, if you want to have as many people involved, like, is that is that the long term plan with to do is for business is to make it so that the team inbox kind of is the is the holding like kind of like the landing pad for everything. And then people can drag things out, put them in their own projects. Is that that's the plan? Uh, or is it, you know, is there a much larger plan for how can we scale this so that teams of, you know, varying sizes can be involved in multiple projects and not everybody's getting lost in the shuffle? Because that's one of the things that I kind of struggle with with Todoist is once it gets past like another person I'm sharing the project with, um, it kind of gets a bit muddy. So what? how do you work with it with, with – like how many people do you have sharing a project with you and so on and so forth? Uh, Mike, I can tell you like my uh, – like we use Todoist a lot inside the company mm-hmm. obviously and like my share project is basically like a huge mess right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so like if you actually use this, and I think a lot of actually companies use this, uh, you know, to to do stuff, uh, to organize stuff. It's not a very good tool right now, and that's like something that we are really trying hard to improve. And I think also like uh, in the near future, you will see some some huge advancement in this. Like basically, we are, we are going to try to split up things like your personal data with like the the team you're sharing with uh, or the teams you like you can have multiple teams that you're sharing stuff with and make that really easy and really nice and also like currently like uh, one of the things you mentioned is basically like label pollution like you right. share stuff and then suddenly you have like a ton of labels that you don't really care about um, so that's also something that we are going to you know try to improve uh and like also filters, like uh, I mean, imagine like if you can actually have filters for teams that can also be really powerful, a report or karma for teams as well. So um, I think there's a lot of like things that we can actually improve on and make this a really kick-ass tool for for businesses. And last question before I wrap up. We've seen a lot of task management tools get acquired in recent years. I'm not going to ask if you're going to be acquired or looking to be acquired. But there is one one of the big guys hasn't well, – actually, there's a couple. But, I mean, Microsoft acquired Six Wonder Kinder and Wonderlist is now – you know, they, they still are a standalone. But I think it's just a matter of time before they get absorbed into, you know, the, the Microsoft Office kind of realm and part of maybe Outlook Tasks, because let's face it, Outlook Tasks is not exactly the most robust tool on the planet. And Microsoft Project, I don't think many people, I mean, those who use Microsoft Project and use it well, um, they love it. But most people, when they first look at it, are, you know, they don't even want to go near it. Uh, you know, Google has bought Timeful. You talked about intelligent AI and stuff. So they've got Timeful and they've picked up. Um, uh, sunrise. So there's a lot of like the bigger players are starting to recognize that a task management solution is something that that you need to kind of, you know, have in your back pocket, because people are either working out of their email inbox and not getting as much done, or they don't have the tight integration. And Todoist does have a lot of that, you know, with the Gmail extensions and Outlook extensions and the web, you know, the web, uh, the web extensions. Um, but when you see a company like Google, who hasn't really acquired a task management solution yet, or um, you know, I mean, Yahoo acquired what was the name of the company Astrid uh, years ago, uh, and Apple really is just kind of using reminders and just kind of adding more and more to it. 
What do you think the future, do you think that you're going to see one of those larger companies say, you know what, Google Tasks isn't cutting it for it. We need something more robust. Same thing with Apple. You know, we have reminders, but we need to have a task management solution. Do you see that something that's something that the bigger players are going to want to have uh, in the future as part of their suite of, of offerings that they can give to consumers? Um, um, I mean, that, that's a very good question, but... Um... Or do you even care? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think uh, these companies, you know, they don't really care that much as we do. Like, you know, this is our livelihood. Uh, and this is like something that we care deeply about. Like, you know, I have spent like almost 10 years working on this. Uh, so, and for them, you know, it's just like some kind of thing they need to include on their platforms. Uh, and they don't really have like a deep vision or a deep passion for it. Uh, and I doubt like that will change anytime soon. Um, so, so I'm not really that worried uh, about this. Uh, and also, I think like both what Google has done, you know, uh, and Apple has done. I think like you know, uh, so far it's really really crappy uh, products like Google Keep and Apple Reminders. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't really understand people that use it. Um, but, yeah. So, so, so. Of course, like these companies, you know, they have like billions and billions of dollars and they could easily. Yeah. The question yeah, is, do they, they do they buy it to do they buy it to kill it or do they buy it to absorb it? Right. You know what I mean? Like and, and I mean, look at look at with Evernote right now, Evernote and OneNote, OneNote, as we're recording this, just Microsoft just released a tool to help people convert from Evernote to OneNote a lot easier. So they and they've had OneNote around forever. It's been around for a long time and not a lot of people used it until frankly, and this is my opinion, Evernote all of a sudden started to make a real big, a lot of noise, and Microsoft said, hey, wait a minute, we've had this thing that's kind of like Evernote that's been around for a while, but I, I think you're right. I think when it comes to third-party developers and those that are, I mean, you're you're going to have a hard time. Look at I me, mean, look what happened with Mailbox. Mailbox, you know, the, the guys who ran Orchestra created Mailbox, Dropbox bought Mailbox, and then Dropbox killed. You know, basically, they've kind of killed it, right? So, you know, I, that's that's always my concern about it. And, and I have a lot of people and you can you can put a, a lot of people come to me. And they say, well, why would I want to use a tool that's from like a third party if they could be acquired like any of these other ones? So this is your chance to say, like, you guys aren't going anywhere. You've been working on this for 10 years. You don't I mean, if people are going to place their confidence and I mean, frankly, the, the, the price per month for Todoist is is neg I mean, it's so reasonable, incredibly reasonable. Um do people have need to worry that you're going to be another spring pad or another uh, app that go <laughs> notice I, I threw the spring pad word out there. Uh, <laughs> you guys are going to be around uh, for a while, right? Um, I mean, Mike, I can tell you like uh, I actually declined all acquisition talks and we have had a lot uh, during the, the years. Uh, yeah. So, so like, you know, our plan is not to, to sell out and kill our product. It's actually, you know, build something, that's sustainable and build something that's for the long term. Uh, and I think also like in general, like this market that we are operating in, uh, it's a huge one. And I think like not many people are actually aware of how big uh, it could actually be. Mm -hmm. Like You know, most people in the world need a tool uh, for organization, need a system for organization. Most teams need that. Uh, and uh, like currently, only a few companies in the world are actually actively like really focusing on on improving this. 
so that's what we see, you know, like we see huge potential and we don't really see like uh, us joining, you know, Google or Microsoft or Apple uh, or another big company like, like, you know, they would just buy us out and kill the product and like, you know, this would be a disaster, like, uh, you know, 10 years just thrown out uh, for some millions, like, yeah, it, it's not going to happen. So I don't really think like people need to, to worry. Um, there you go. So those people that are thinking about giving Todoist to spin or those who are using Todoist, rest assured, you, you've got the tool that you can use for the long haul. Amir, thanks so much for joining me this week on the podcast. I had a great time chatting with you. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to you know, follow your work? And, and, and also, I mean, I'll send them to todoist.com. In fact, uh, I'll have a special offer at the end of the episode that people should listen to that they can get three six-month codes. So I'll share that with people after the that you guys have so generously given. Uh, but uh, Amir, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I think like the, the, the best option is Twitter. It's Amix, A-M-I-X, 3K. Yeah, so that's my username. And you can follow me. Uh, you can message me there. Uh, I will try to respond as soon as possible. Yeah. Great, great. Amir, thanks again for joining me on the podcast this week. And thank you, Mike. It was a real pleasure. And, you know, also thanks a lot for, you know, using Todoist for many years and also like, sharing your workflows i'm sure that a lot of people really have appreciated that uh, and also like uh, we from the you know todoist team always uh, follow your posts and, and read them and you know follow the, the feedback that, that you provide so well, thanks thank a lot for that thank you thank you well that's it for this week's episode of the podcast i'd like to thank amir for joining me on the show. And if you are interested in giving Todoist to spin, I have a way to make that happen for you. Just drop me a line at podcast at productivityist.com explaining why you want to give Todoist Premium a go and you will be eligible to win one of three, that's right, three six-month free coupons to put Todoist through the paces, Todoist Premium, which is what I use. So head over with an email, and you have to say not why you know why you want to use it. That's definitely part of it. I'll enter you in the in the draw, and I'll be making my decision and emailing people uh, by this time next week. So by the time the next episode of the podcast comes out, so that'll be on the if we're going to get date specific on the twenty seventh of March. That will be when my decision is made and you, anyone will be notified by then. So uh, we're doing it at random. So, but you do need to have put in there why you want to give to do as premium ago. That's it for this week. If you like the show, I'd love to get ratings and reviews on iTunes. If you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash productivity and you can do so in a monetary fashion if that's how you want to do it. Until next time, I am your host, Mike Vardy, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. <laughs>